Good evening, church. Thank you for taking time of your schedules to honor God this evening, to assemble to worship Him, to, as one might say, to go the extra mile away and consider Him as important. It's good to see you here this evening, both members and visitors alike. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Oh, great God and great King, everlasting Father, thank you for this, this hour, for this moment, to be able to assemble together with your people, to worship you and to honor you, to sing songs of praise under your name and to think of Jesus, to think of that amazing sacrifice that was made in our behalf the years that he walked on the earth, the perfection that he displayed, the love that he demonstrated, and Lord God, the manifestation of the Godhead that he brought to us. Thank you. We ask, Lord God, for your blessings upon us this evening. Help us to keep our minds focused only on you. In Jesus' holy, magnificent, most awesome, and precious name, we do pray and give you thanks. It be that will. Amen. Still uh, under the thought this evening of doubting God, we're going back to Genesis chapter 17. Many great people of faith manifested doubt. And what we get is we get the rest of the story. And, and they, didn't, they didn't get that. And so we'll read these texts realizing that they didn't get the rest of the story. Tonight I ask the question of each of us, since we have the rest of the story, is there still room for doubt? So Genesis chapter 17, beginning at verse 15, Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarah your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her, and then I will bless her, and she shall be made a mother of nations and kings and peoples shall come after her. And then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? He didn't just laugh. He fell on his face and laughed, right? I mean, imagine you're trying to tell someone something and, and, and they just fall on their face in laughter at you. And yet God, still so kind, patient, and gentle, kept his promise. And then Abraham tried to change the plan. And Abraham said in verse 18, To God, all that Ishmael might live before thee. But that wasn't the answer. The answer was Sarah. They'll give birth to a child. And then in chapter 18, Sarah also struggled, beginning at verse 12. And Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah shall have 
a son. You think we could take just that text and realize the fulfillment of that text and then understand the, the question of God, is anything too difficult for God? And we could stop right there and we could say, walking away from this lesson tonight, that there's no question about the fact that God is able to do as He wills and as He pleases. But again, we can see that because we have the end of the story. Exodus chapter 4. We're looking into the lives or at the lives of people as they struggle trying to understand in their own heart, you know, or I guess reason in their own minds. Do I, do I trust God? Do I believe God? Can God do it? Will God do it? Has God ever done anything like this before? Have faith. What does that mean exactly? Chapter 4 and verse 1. After God says to uh, Moses that this is what I want you to do in the burning bush. And then Moses answered and said, What if they will not believe me? Or listen to what I say. For they may say, The Lord has not appeared to you. And then God might come back and say, well, What if they do believe you? But God didn't do that, right? God continued on with this dialogue, speaking to Moses, giving him encouragement and saying, you need to go do my will, and and here's what I'm going to do for you. And then chapter 5 and verse 9 comes the the confusion, the bewilderment, if you will. In verse 9, the Bible says, let the labor be heavier on the men and let them work at it that they may pay no attention to false words. Don't listen to... To Moses. And then Moses now, he sees this. They're not listening. And there's a problem. And their work has been increased. And things have gotten worse, not better. In verse 22, Moses returns to the Lord and said, O Lord, why hast thou brought harm to this people? Why didst thou ever send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he has done harm to this people. And thou hast not delivered thy people at all. And we'd say, no, no, Moses, just... Just keep reading. And he go, oh, wait, this is the story of his life, right? But I would say to you, maybe that's our problem. We stop reading. Right? We stop reading. Just, just keep reading. Look at Job. The very beginning of time, if you will, somewhere in the book of Genesis. But Job chapter 30, you start thinking about Job's life and, and the suffering and the struggles that Job went through. And, and you realize that Job was a man who had struggle and conflict. And we know where the conflict came from. We know it's from Satan. We understand that with clarity because we have the whole picture. We have the whole story. We have the entire account, right? Job 30 and verse 16. And now my soul is poured out within me. Days of affliction have seized me. At night it pierces my bones within me. And my gnawing... Pains take no rest. By a great force, my garment is distorted. It binds me about as the collar of my coat. He has cast me into the mire, and I have become like dust and ashes. I cry out to thee for help, but thou dost not answer me. I stand up, and thou dost turn thy attention against me. Thou hast become cruel to me. With the might of thy hand, thou dost persecute me. And we would say, no, Job, if, if you can get into the heavens, you can, you can recognize what was... We know that. How many of us understand that these accounts are in here 
for our strength. We know that, right? We know that. And then as we think about Job, and, and Job says, yeah, I wonder if God's even listening to me. And we would say what? Yeah, he's listening. But how many Christians have asked the same question? It's the same answer to even us, that God is listening. Chapter 42 and verse 7, God's not only listening, God has something to say. And in verse 7, uh, the Bible says, And it came about after the Lord had spoken these words to Job that the Lord said to Eliphaz, the Timnite, My wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. I've been listening. God hears us. He hears us in our, in our stress. He hears us in our trials. He hears us in our tribulations. And I believe that if we go back and we look, Psalm 22, we look at some of the accounts of, of you know, these people, real people, right? Godly men and women who struggled with doubt. It's supposed to help our faith to grow, right? It's supposed to help us to snap out of that, that doubtful mindset that we might find ourselves in when we find ourselves in almost some of the very same situations that they were in. Verse 1, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh my God. I, I cry by day, but thou dost not answer. And by night, but I, I have no rest. No. Oh, you're going to be all right, David, because we, we have the rest of the story. But he doesn't, right? Church, we have the rest of the story. Psalm 34. Even in our own lives, we have the rest of the story because we can see it right here in God's Word and we read it and the rest of the story is right here for us so that we don't have to doubt. It's all in this book. Psalm 34 and verse 4. I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. That's the rest of the story. He's not only listening, He's active and He's there for us. Some might say, well, wait a minute. Let's go back to the book of Judges. You might say, well, okay, uh, if God is with me, then, you know, why am I struggling right now? Why am I having these, these difficulties in my life? Well, Gideon said the same thing. Judges chapter 6 and, and verse 13. Um, then Gideon said to him, oh, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. No, you abandoned God. Just read the rest of the... Oh, they didn't have that book, did they? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Am I listening to Jesus? And you say, well, you know, Jesus doesn't talk to us audibly today. Well, I know. But he does talk to us, right? Just pick your book up and read it. He'll talk to you right through the book, right? Turn to Mark, please, chapter 4. We read the book. Read the book. Just, just keep reading the Bible and allow God to open up our hearts and our minds to understand that we are never too big 
to read. We have to just keep on reading and reading and reading and reading. And then God will open up our heart and open up our minds, understanding. And all these pieces to the puzzle will begin to connect. And you just, you just keep reading and reading and reading. And it's amazing what happens to your doubt. Our doubt seems to become little. And, even, and it even goes away. A lack of faith. Do I possess in my heart, in my relationship with God, a lack of faith? And if I have a lack of faith, why do I have a lack of faith? And I would say, for myself, and you might agree with me because it's in the Bible, because I haven't been reading. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You just have to keep reading and reading our Bible and reading and reading. And when you're finished reading, read some more and just keep reading and watch what happens. And Mark chapter 4 is one of those uh, beautiful texts that we get to see something in the disciples, real people, right? With, with the problem, but the solution is already there. I want you to think about it for just a moment. There's a real problem. You know, they're on the sea. You've read this account many times over. But the solution is right there with them. Verse 35. And on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. And leaving the multitude, they took him along with them, just as he was, in the boat. And other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so much that the boat was already filling up. And he himself was in the stern, asleep, on the cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? We're coming back to that one. And being aroused, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you so timid? How is it that you have no faith? And they became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Verse 38. Where was Jesus? You guys know he was in the boat. Salvation was in the boat. God was in the boat. When, when I have a trial in my life, and when you have a trial in your life, and you've been serving God all your, your days, where's Jesus? He's right there. Right? There's no difference. They, they were in a boat, and they were in a, in a physical storm. Jesus was in the boat with them. And God's dwelling with us, for he said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Sometimes we think God just like wound the world up and let it go and just and then we have to just fend for ourselves and figure it out. That's not the way it is for God and his people. God promises to be with us, so we don't have to say, Dear Lord, be with me. You don't even have to pray that prayer. You can say, Thank you, God, for being with me in this hour of my, of my own personal need. Because God is with us. And then their question that we might ask, I don't know. Does God care? Yeah, he, he does. First Peter 5, 7 tells us he cares. 
casting all of your anxiety, all of your troubles upon him, for he does care, right? He cares for us. And so when we think about doubting, turn to Matthew chapter 11, please. Remember that God has never left us, nor will he ever leave us. God was, was in the boat, so they were fine. They had just forgotten to look where? To Jesus. Hebrews 12 tells us to look to Jesus. The Bible tells us to look to Jesus. Psalm 119, look to Jesus. I mean, everything in the Bible tells us to look to Jesus. In fact, the whole Bible points to Jesus. Our lives also have to point to Jesus. Come unto me, verse 28. All of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You shall find rest for your soul. Wonder how true that is. Do you believe it? Do you believe that it's harder to live in the world than it is to live in Christ? Do you believe that? The Bible says it. The Bible says it's, it's more difficult, if you will. It's difficult to live in the world. It's easier to live as a Christian. How many of us believe that? He closes that out with, um, for my yoke is easy and my load is light. Is it? Is God's yoke easy? Is his load? Is it light? Yeah, it is. Actually. It really is. Come talk to me sometimes. I'll talk about it. Think about your own past, your life outside of God. Think about your life outside of Christ compared to your life faithfully in Christ. Tell me there's a difference. You know there's a difference, right? James chapter 1, we know there's a difference. And anyone who says to me, well, I don't think there was a difference, I, don't, I think I would have to disagree with you. And we could walk away and say, well, I'll agree to disagree, but I think I have more people who would agree with the Bible that says it's harder to live in the world where there is no hope than it is to live in Jesus where there is all hope. And then he goes one step further, right? If you're doubting God, you're struggling in your walk of faith, listen to what God said. James 1, beginning at verse 5. But if anyone you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Imagine this. Someone comes to you and says, you know, I really, really want to buy that, that car. Can you help me out? Sure, sure. And, and then you go through the whole process of purchasing the car, and, and you get there, and the person goes, you know, I don't really know if I want the car. We've been here for hours, but I'm not sure that I want to buy a car. And then you go home. Okay, fine. We go home. And the next day, they call you up and say, hey, I think I really want to buy a car. I mean, it's not going to be too many times you're going to say, hey, I'm not going back out there with you again. You keep changing your mind. Same thing is with God. With God, when you're praying to God and you're asking for something, make sure it's really what you want. Make sure you're really ready for that, if you will, that answer from the Lord. Pray to Him without doubting. Pray to Him with confidence, knowing that God hears us because of Jesus. And remember, sometimes the answer is going to be no. Other times it may be wait a while, and other times it may be yes. 
but pray to God and ask God for His will to be done in your life. The text says, But let him ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Well, let not that man expect that he'll receive anything from the Lord. It's just not going to happen. Today you want one thing, and then tomorrow you want another thing. I remember a brother came to me and said, I really want a wife. All right. Like, you know, God issues those, right? A husband and a wife. Somebody out there is praying for a husband, so God's going to bless her too. All right, you want me to pray for it? Yeah, let's pray about that. All right, we prayed about it. Next day, I don't think I want a wife. All right, well, Lord, cancel that order. <laughs> You're not looking for a wife. Two days later, nah, I think I really want a wife. I said, you know, I'm not going to keep praying this prayer with you. I'm not going to do that. You've got to figure out what you want in life. And that's what we have to do, church. We have to figure out what we want in life, right, in our relationship with the Lord, and then ask God, to bless us and not be double-minded, right? And that's why God won't answer the prayer with a yes, if you will. Being double-minded, verse, what is it, verse 8, uh, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. We have to know what we want before we pray to God. And sometimes we pray to God, we don't know what we want. But here's what you should always want. Not my will, but thine be done. Right? That's, that's it. That's the rest of the story. The rest of the story is, it always turns out good when it's God's way. And when it's my way, eh, doesn't always work out the way I want it to. So in our trusting faith and in our walk with God, turn to Mark chapter 11. If you just go back and read and find these principal accounts, if you will, in the Bible, principles that are, that are there, they never change. They're always there. All throughout the Bible, you'll find maybe something similar to your life, the things you're going through, the things that, that you might be struggling with. And you'll find that as you, as you go through these things, you'll find that there's something in the Bible that's close to it. And you can read the rest of the account and say, oh, wait a minute, I get it now. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says is going to happen, it shall be granted to him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they shall be granted to you. And so we're praying to God. It's not, it's not a matter of do you care. Of course God cares. God, will you please work out my situation. I'll do what I'm compelled to do based on the scriptures. But Lord, if you'll just take the lead and keep the lead and know that God will. Do I believe? Do I truly believe? Can I walk away from John chapter 6, please? And walk away from this building tonight and say, truly without a shadow of a doubt, God's ways are not only the best ways, they're the only way. I mean, it's, it's the right way every single time. And we can research that, right? We can go through as, as a, a body and we can say, okay, when I was 17, here's what I thought. Okay, oops. And then we can go through that list and say, now that I'm wiser in Christ, I'm looking at the Bible, I'm following what the Lord says, I'm realizing, you know, God does know what he's talking about. 
And God does know what is best. And God does know what is right. And God does know what is wrong. And God is listening to me. And, and I have no reason to doubt because I have the whole story. I have the whole account right here from the beginning all the way until Jesus dies on the cross and carries it on the church in the first century. We got the whole picture. The whole picture is right here. And you know what the picture, when you look at the whole thing over and over again, backwards and forwards, up and down, all over again, bad times, good times, wonderful and great, challenging, stimulating, and all of that. You know what the whole picture, you know the end of it, it always comes back over and over again, who we win. Every single time. As bad as it looked at the picture and the image that we're seeing, all that happened was God's people realized the greatness of God time and time and time and time again. Church, the story, the account is the same. It's the same for us. It's the same. We cannot lose if we stick with the Lord. Sometimes, though, the message doesn't, doesn't sound so great. Be thou faithful. Oh, I got you, Lord. I can do that until death. Eh, wait a minute. You know, Revelation 2, right? Some of you are going to prison. Okay, I can do prison. All right, I can do it, yeah. And some of you are going to be tried. Okay, Lord, I'm good with that. Some of you are going to die. How many of us would choose the prison or just the trial? Right? I don't. But whatever it is, we win. And that's the key. That, that's the key. So why do I doubt? Lord, why do I doubt? And sometimes a message that comes our way, John 6. They heard the message. It was too difficult for them to, to, to comprehend, to accept. And then Jesus uh, says, verse, 20, verse 66, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. And Jesus said, therefore, to the twelve, you do not want to go away also, do you? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the word of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. We have we believed and we are sure, we are sure that you are the Holy One of God. God. There's no other way but with Jesus and, and through Jesus and a, a life with Jesus. You just, you just keep going with Jesus all the way to the end. All the way to the end. All the way. Don't stop in your moment and say, wait a minute, where's God? It's all right. He's there. Stay with Jesus all the way to the end. You know, a good coach would tell you that. He would say, oh no, keep working out, keep exercising, keep trying, and you're in a competition. He'll say, don't give up, and don't give up, give it your all, all the way to the end. And we'll do it for our coach. Will you do it for yourself? Stay with Jesus all the way to the end. And don't just stay in this spot. Increase your faith. And you do that by reading, right? And I'll tell you another way we, we do that. We, we do that by reading, and we do that by talking to someone else about what we read, right? And so stimulating conversation about Jesus through evangelism and even through the brotherhood, talking to each other about where I've been this week in the Scriptures, 
What an amazing, amazing life to live. There's always something sweet to talk about. I'm closing in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 18. The question this evening is an interesting one. Is that, you know, that how much faith, how much faith do, do I have? Wherever I am now, thank you, God, for allowing me to be where I am. But, but God, I, I'm asking you, please, to help, to increase my faith. Help me, help me to grow, Lord. And when I, when I open up the pages of your word, bless me, Lord God, to be able to see something. Right? If something you want me to know today or this week, please help me to see it. And then not just to see it, help me to obey it or believe it, or trust it, or make the changes, or whatever it may be. God, just, just be with me, right? That's the question. That's the, that's the request, maybe, for all of us. God, take me to that next level in my walk of faith. Luke 18, the question uh, regarding prayer, and then our lives. This woman here is praying. I'm going to grab verse 8. I tell you that he will bring about justice for them speedily. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's the question. Chapter 8 is all about prayer, right? Chapter 18, woman's praying. When Jesus comes back, will he find faith? And we don't have to answer that question collectively, just individually. When Jesus returns, Will he find faith in you, in me? Tonight the lesson is yours. If you're struggling, and we can pray with you or pray for you. If there's anything we can do tonight, you want to surrender to Christ in the waters of baptism to give your life to Jesus. If tonight we can help in any way, please come. While together we stand and sing our song of invitation.